Lights down. Thanks, Charlie. Going to be reading from James chapter 4, verse 13. That's up on the uh, screen behind you, or behind me, uh, and also in your pew Bibles if you want to get those open now. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks, Benjamin. James 4.13 Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow, we'll go to this or that city. Spend a year there. Carry on business and make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, The wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. Uh, Will you join with me in prayer? Father, you are a holy God and your word is holy. Uh, Father, we pray that uh, we would uh, tremble at your word, that we would treat it with reverence. Father, that uh, we would uh, not just be uh, hearers of your word, but those who, who do your word. We pray that by your Holy Spirit that you would grant us spiritual insight and understanding uh, today that we would live lives that are worthy of you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Only you can control your future. Uh, This is actually a well-known word of advice uh, from that uh, great uh, life coach for kids, Dr Seuss. (laughs) Only you can control your future. Uh, What do you think about that? I mean, it it makes a a certain amount of sense, don't you think, that... uh, you know, rather than uh, simply drifting through our days, our weeks, our years, uh, rather than just uh, drifting through our lives, that we should be people who would, uh, would set some goals and make plans for the things which we'd like to achieve, the things which we'd like to do uh, in our lives, whether it's uh, Year 12 students at this time of year uh, just making plans for... Uh, looking at you, Thomas Grittenborough... Uh, making plans for 2024 and what you're going to do with the rest of your life or maybe you're uh, making plans for, for your jobs uh, or for uh, your family or for, uh, for your retirement. Uh, whatever you're making plans for, it is good to think future. But that's not the same as controlling our futures, is it? Uh, as if somehow we have the power to be the masters of our own destiny. But our futures are important, Um, as is also the question in today's passage from James 4 and 5, if you'd like to have that open, the question of who actually controls our future, who controls your future. 
Now, this is an important issue for us to grapple with, especially uh, during times of change, uh, especially during times uh, uh, when we have uh, uh, abilities and we have opportunities uh, to, uh, to uh, do things into the future, uh, like, for example, the opportunity to make money, uh, which was actually a growing opportunity uh, at the time when uh, James wrote this letter. Because there are certain periods of history where opportunities for making money um, expand and grow um, because of advances, advances in uh, technology, advances in infrastructure, advances in transport, which, uh, which make buying and selling, doing commerce, uh, much easier. I mean, I think in our own day, there's been advances, hasn't there? Think, for example, credit cards and internet shopping uh, have absolutely revolutionised um, the way we do business. They've tra been transformative, haven't it? Credit cards, you know, no more counting your coins at the checkout. <laughs> Anyone remember those days? Of course, some of us do. In the Roman Empire, the great revolution was roads, uh, roads which uh, the Romans built in order to unite their empire, um, you know, uh, to link uh, the far-flung cities and regions of the empire uh, to, you know, for the sake of troop movements, for the sake of travel, and for the sake of business, opening up new markets and opportunities for merchants to uh, buy and sell, to import and to export and, and to make money. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, is it? Um, that's a, it can be a very good thing. However, when business is doing well, what's the temptation? Well, in uh, chapter 4, verse 13, uh, James begins with a call to attention. Check it out with me. James says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. <laughs> now, in the churches that uh, this letter was written to, there would have been, uh, there would have been people who were like that, business, travelling business people, merchants who were, who were trading goods. We know, for example, um, in the Philippian church, there was a, a lady by the name of Lydia. And uh, Lydia was a, a lady who traded in expensive uh, purple fabric. These were the people who were in the congregations, but yet this is not just a message for travelling business people. It's wisdom which all Christians need to hear. For the temptation, especially when we are successful, especially when we are upwardly mobile, is to think and to behave as if we are the boss, as if we are in control. You know, when in, many, in actual fact, there are many things that are beyond our control. And so in verse 14, James reminds us that we cannot control tomorrow. <laughs> we don't even know what will happen tomorrow. I mean, in James's day, who knows if a, 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 tr a ship that's laden with precious cargo, cargo gets, uh, gets sunk in a storm and sinks to the bottom of the Mediterranean Sea, uh, or if there's an uprising against the Romans which, uh, uh, which cuts off supply routes and supply chains for business. I mean, who of us, who of us in early 2020 could have imagined, could have imagined that businesses 
would soon have to shut their doors. <laughs> Who would have imagined that? Uh, or in uh, 2022, at the beginning of 2022, that a war would break out in, uh, in Ukraine, which would, uh, have, which would impact energy prices and, uh, and inflation and interest rates all around the world. <laughs> that a war was broken out in the Middle East just a couple of weeks or so ago, uh, challenging uh, petrol prices and so on. And we might imagine these, uh, these merchants uh, getting together uh, in the Chamber of Commerce and boasting to one another about their business plans. I'm going to go to that city and I'm going to set up a, an, a, you know, a, an, an office in that city and we're going to make money there and this is what we're going to sell. And we can imagine that as if nothing was going to interfere with their plans. But we cannot control tomorrow. In fact, says James, we, not, we cannot control our very own lives. What is your life, he says in verse 14? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Now, we don't wake up to too many misty mornings here in Port Macquarie. Smoky mornings? Yes, yes, uh, yeah, you're with me on that one today. Uh, anyone here have asthma? Yeah, I'm feeling it. Um, but uh, we, we don't wake up to many misty mornings in Port Macquarie, but when we do, on those rare occasions, we know that it's not going to last long. As soon as the day warms up, it gone, it's gone. So too are our lives only temporary. You know, in uh, Luke chapter 12, Jesus uh, told a parable about a farmer who uh, one year had a bumper harvest it was so good in fact that he thought i'm going to have to build more barns and he built more barns so that he could store all of the grain that he'd harvested from his crops and he thought this is terrific i'm going to just uh, take it easy now uh, relax uh, put up my feet i'm going to i'm um, enjoy my life i'm all set up for the future he had his plan and the lord said to him you fool this very night, your life will be taken from you. That we may have our life mapped out. We may think that we're all set up for the future and we can be lulled into a false sense of security. Because our health and even our lives can be cut short by sickness, by accident, by death. Now, the Bible is not against us making plans. <laughs> in fact, uh, in Proverbs chapter 6, uh, we're told that it's, it's wise during those times of plenty to fill up your barns with plenty of grain. It's wise to do that so that you'll have enough for the other times, the times of, of uh, when there isn't such a bumper crop. Or for us, uh, planning our finances so that we can, so we can keep on living into the future. I mean, that's, that's why we have superannuation, isn't it? The problem is not the planning. The problem is control. And those two small words in verse 13, the words, we will. We will go to this or that city and do business and make money and so on. When in verse 15, James says, instead you should say, if it is the Lord's will... We will live and do this or that 
Uh, Lord willing. It's, it's not a phrase that we hear very much these days, is it? I, I don't think so. Uh, and in one sense, whether we use those words or not, that's not the key issue. Uh, anyone can say words and, uh, and not, not actually mean it. Although they are important words, aren't they? Uh, you know, the Apostle Paul, when he told the churches about his plans to visit them, uh, he would actually say, if it's God's will, or if the Lord permits, I will come to visit you. Because Paul knew that Paul was not in control, and God may have other plans. You know, there is a, <clears throat> there's a certain arrogance in uh, boasting about our plans and our future uh, compared to a rightful humility which says, I'm actually not in control. I'm not in control. And then truly believing that. You know, sometimes God may allow uh, for our, our plans to fail um, so as to strip us of our self-dependence and teach us to depend on him alone. And to learn what it, that what really matters to God uh, may not be my 20-year strategic plan for my life, but rather how I live my life from day to day. Which I think makes sense of what James says next in verse 17, uh, where he goes on to say, Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, doesn't do it, sins. You know, I could be so, um, so fixed with a kind of tunnel vision on pursuing my plans, my goals for my life and so on. I can be so fixed on that that I ignore the good things that God wants me to do in the present every day because I trust in my plans rather than walking humbly with my God. Now, in the Bible, there is a, a famous saying which we uh, sometimes call the golden rule. Do you, know, you know the golden rule, don't you? I think we all know it if we hear it. The golden rule, it's, that's one uh, about doing unto others uh, as you would have them do unto you. Uh, that's the golden rule, isn't it? Well, I found this comic strip. <clears throat> it's pretty old. It's from The Wizard of Id. Anyone remember that comic strip from many years ago? And uh, here's a different uh, take on that uh, issue of the golden uh, rule. There is the king, the rather short, flat-headed king, uh, talking down to his subjects, telling them to remember the golden rule. And uh, what is the golden rule here? Whoever has the gold makes the rules. <laughs> And it's so true, isn't it? It's so true of life that those who are in power, those who are wealthy, that they make the rules for others to follow. And so in uh, verses 1 to 6 of chapter 5, James again calls people to listen. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes, your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded up wealth 
in the last days. Wow. Now, here James shifts, James shifts his attention from uh, upwardly mobile uh, merchants to people who are already rich. In, in verse 4, we learn that they are wealthy landowners, farmers. But it's a word of wisdom for us all, isn't it? A word of wisdom about the future and living as if there is no judgment in the future. Now, I'm sure that James knew that gold and silver do not corrode. Although apparently silver can corrode if it's exposed to too much sulphur. Uh, and yet, for these rich people, uh, what James envisages here is that even their gold and silver will be worthless, just rusty pieces of metal. Good as gold? No. Good is gone. Good is gone. And in the first century, uh, rich people displayed their wealth by their, by their clothes. And uh, uh, not just, um, you know, designer clothes with designer labels that are, you know, placed so that uh, uh, it makes it look that you don't really want people to see the label, but you really do. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no, these were... Uh, uh, elaborate, um, flowing robes made out of uh, expensive, uh, ornate fabrics, which James says will have been devoured by moths in God's future plan, which involves weeping, wailing and misery for these rich people. Why? I mean, it's not wrong to be rich, you know, I, I have got friends who are uh, quite wealthy, uh, Christian friends who God has blessed them with wealth and they use their wealth for good and godly things. And uh, there's a sense in which, comparatively to other people in the world, every person in this room is wealthy. But with wealth comes power. And with power comes control. With the obvious temptation, oppression. Verse 4, look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. Now, it doesn't seem that these people are people who are truly trusting in Christ, does it? Although uh, there may be churchgoers uh, who are in this uh, situation. And yet it's also here, this is wisdom which we all need to hear. Because God has a plan for the future. And God's plan for the future involves justice. Justice. These people have employed workers to harvest their fields. The workers have done the job and they've, they've employed them so that they can sell, that, uh, sell the grain and, and make money, make money for themselves, silver and gold, which they have hoarded up. They've hoarded it up and haven't paid their bill to the workers, haven't paid the wages, haven't paid the money to those who needed the money not to hoard up but just to live 
And thankfully in Australia, we have ways of dealing with these kind of issues, but these workers were without help. They were without a champion. They were without someone who would advocate for them in their defence, except for the one whose ears their cries have reached, in verse 4, the Lord Almighty. The Lord Almighty, do you see that? It's sometimes translated as the Lord of hosts. And this, this, brothers and sisters, is one of the most majestic titles of God used in the Bible. It means the one who is the ruler of the heavenly armies, who is the one to whom the rich oppressor will one day have to give an account. Now, they tell me that Wagyu beef is very special. I've never tried it. I'm quite happy with a very thick, rare Scotch fillet myself. But Wagyu beef, very special because there are certain um, breeds of cattle who's, uh, uh, <coughs> which produce beef which, which has that right mix of, of, uh, of muscle and, and fat which apparently just uh, cooked properly just takes, tastes fabulously. It's fantastic. And uh, it's very special beef, very special cattle who live the good life. Uh, such cattle are treated very, very well. They are grain-fed, and they are grain-fed sometimes also with red wine. You didn't know that. In Japan, they, uh, they enjoy beer and sake uh, in their diet. They're living the good life. They're living it up. This is the good life for cattle. They're enjoying life to the full until the trip to the abattoir. And that is the plan. That is the future in verse 5 for these rich exploiters who have lived their lives in self-indulgent luxury, in extravagant wastefulness. They've enjoyed themselves for a while, but they've been fattening themselves up for the day of slaughter. For the future involves justice and judgment. Only you can control your future, uh, wrote Dr. Seuss. Well, is that so? What about your future? <laughs> what about your plans? Uh, here in this passage, we see that there is a future and someone who controls it, which is both a challenge for us as it is also a comfort. It's good to think future and to make plans so that we just don't uh, you know, wander aimlessly through life. You know what they say, if you have no, aim for, no goal for life, you'll probably achieve it. You know? But the future is not in our control, which is a good thing, really, because... We are not the ones who know best for our future. David in Psalm 31 wrote these words. He said, I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. My times are in your hands. And when our plans fail and our world seems to crumble down around us, we, even through our tears, 
ought not to despair. For we know that God is in control and he has a plan. And God's plan for us, if we have our trust in Christ, is that he will complete the good work that he has already begun in us until the day of Christ, no matter what our circumstances, by humbling us, by shaping us, by warning us, that we would be people who trust not in our money or in our power, but in our Saviour, in Jesus, who, though he was rich, yet for our sakes became poor, so that we, through his poverty, might become truly rich, forgiven of our sin, relationship with God, rest for our souls forever. And so in your planning for the future, where does Jesus fit in? How will your plans, how will you plan so that your plans will actually help you to grow as a Christian? Are you making plans to help you know God better through his word? Are you making plans so that you'll be able to minister to others better? And in all of your plans, in all of your plans for life, can you truly say to God, not my will be done, but yours? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a God who is sovereign that uh, we are not in charge of this world, that you are, that we are not in charge of our lives, that you are. We thank you, Father God, that your plan involves both judgment and salvation, uh, salvation for those who put their trust in Christ and uh, live and walk humbly with you. Father, we pray for ourselves that we would have such trust and that strengthened by the knowledge of your sovereignty that uh, when our plans fail, when difficult things happen in life, when things don't go according to our desires, that we would not despair, but we would rather know that you are working all things for our good, that we would continue to love and serve and trust in you all our days. Amen.